just wanted to read to you a paraphrase of that passage in Galatians chapter 5 and use it just as a kind of a a reflection of this idea of a spirit-filled life being a tug of war. So I'd invite you, you might want to close your eyes, you might just want to kind of listen, eyes open, entirely up to you, as I just read those ten verses in a kind of an expanded paraphrase that just allows us to reflect on those words. In the light of all of this, ask yourself the question, who is in control of my life? The answer to that question will decide what you do, how you react, and why you think the way you do. It's completely impossible for both the self and the Holy Spirit to be in control. They are mutually exclusive. And as long as life on earth lasts, constantly at war with one another. This is the reason for that constantly bewildering human situation. That you know so well what you should say or do but frustratingly seem unable to say or do it. The fact of the matter is that every step you take, every decision you make, every thought you think, every emotion you feel, every motive you have is is truly led by the Spirit of God. Then the law no longer applies and you are free at last. You see, holiness is not an emotion. It's a decision. And it operates not in the area of your feelings, but in the area of your will. The bold and blatant truth is that every one of us as Christians is as holy as he wants to be. Because the good news of Jesus is not only that my sin can be totally forgiven, but also I now have the freedom to live a righteous life. His gift, my choice. Let me spell this out for you. Our lives could be a bridgehead for holiness, but can so easily become a bridgehead for hellishness. The dominion of darkness invades our lives sexually, religiously, emotionally and socially. Sexually, promiscuity is never God's way. Indeed, chastity before marriage and fidelity within marriage was a completely new virtue Christianity brought into the world. Dirty-mindedness is like a pus in an unclean wound. It poisons and degrades everything wholesome that it touches. Then there's a level of indecency which goes so low and so far in lust and perversion that the indecent person no longer cares what either God or man thinks or says, but takes a reckless delight 
in shocking people, such as the catalogue of sexual corruption, when our unbridled human nature is given free reign. Religiously, human nature is prone to worship the things it has made, whether these are material or mental or moral images. Man without God is exposed to deceptively disguised, yet desperately destructive spiritual forces that ultimately lead to despair and dysfunctional living. Emotionally, the list is frightening. Hostility, contentiousness, constantly discontented with what he has and constantly desiring what someone else has, prone to irresponsible and irrational outbursts of destructive anger, overwhelmed with self-seeking rather than serving others, grasping to get rather than generous to give, constantly critical and complaining, causing fragmentation and conflict, creating little coteries of dissent and disapproval. And perhaps the meanest condition of all, embittered mind, so much more straightforward, sinister than straightforward jealousy. Socially, mankind is constantly open to losing its discipline and self-control and living only to satisfy the baser instincts regardless of the impact on others causing them discomfort and embarrassment. I cannot stress strongly enough, as I've already said, that to live this way comes at an enormous cost. Neglecting kingdom living now in history is to forfeit kingdom living in eternity. Stands to reason that you can't control, if you can't control your life properly in this world, then there'll be no invitation to share God's reign in the next. However, there is another way made possible by the Spirit of the living God. For wonder upon wonder, He wants to form the very character of Jesus in us. The evidence of this is love, an unconquerable benevolence, an invincible goodwill, an attitude of mind and a determination of will which constantly seeks the highest good of every person. Joy. Dark despair is banished and a radiant vibrancy comes in its place. Peace. A new sense of well-being is born. Not because of self-effort, but as a result of God's undeserved favour and provision. Patience. A resilience emerges which refuses to give up too easily or give in too quickly and is determined to see things through. Kindness. A sweetness of temper 
begins to show which puts others at their ease and shrinks from causing unnecessary pain. Goodness. Lavish, unstinted generosity is displayed in such a way and to such a degree that clearly God is the source. Faithfulness. Instability goes. And in its place, a steady reliability takes over. Gentleness. God's authority is recognised. And every instinct, passion and impulse is brought under his control. Self-control. Finally, you have a person who's able to say no to himself and live with restraint and discipline. Note, you can't legislate for all of this. Either you allow God to be God in you, or it will never happen. Let's face it, the God-owned, Christ-controlled Christian will not tolerate in any shape or form the demands of the old way of living with its urgent, driving, baser instincts. If we are now living the Jesus life in the power of the Holy Spirit, there must be unmistakable evidence of this. Let's remember that image of Brad helping the younger children. We're not left alone to flounder in this, but God wants to help us. May you know a freshness of the Holy Spirit's helping this week. 